everyone, and welcome to the recap. This is the Escapist Weekly Live Show, all about the latest in movies, TV, and streaming. This is episode number 24 for Tuesday, February 28th. My name is Marty Salio, and I'm joined by two of the five wonders of Liberty Gardens Mall. It is Nick Calandra and Darren Mooney. How are you guys doing? Good. Am I the Mortal Kombat machine? You're the Mortal Kombat machine. Nick <laughs> or is the, the escalator. escalator. Yeah, Nick's the escalator. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome uh, to the recap. Uh, we have a great show for you today. As you can see, our main topic is going to be talking about this week's episode of The Last of Us, episode number seven, which uh, adapted the Left Behind uh, DLC in harrowing fashion. Uh, we'll also be talking about some stuff we've been watching, including, including everyone's favorite uh, uh, cocaine sniffing bear. Uh, and we got a couple couple news quickies, uh, including the fact, guys, Mandalorian is out tomorrow. Mandalorian is just back tonight in like 12 hours. Mandalorian's back. Grogu's back. Jin Jin Jin. What's his name? Jin Din Jarjin. We're not going to stop calling them Mando and Baby Yoda. (laughs) I'm going to call them them Joel and Ellie. (laughs) (laughs) 2.0. Yeah, I kind of wanted to bring that up because it just doesn't seem like it's really on our collective (laughs) radar. Like, literally, before this call, we were talking about it, and Darren was like, well, it comes out Friday. And I was like, no, it comes out in 12 hours. Like, <laughs> it is, it is like, here. And it just seems like there isn't, especially, like, on the heels of Andor, which we loved and was one of our favorite Star Wars things ever, um, it just doesn't seem like the, the, the conversation is there around Mando. Now, part of it might be the press embargo hasn't dropped yet. We haven't seen the episodes. We don't have screeners, but yeah. I'm imagining some fancy people have seen the episode, and you know that embargo hasn't dropped yet, um, and and maybe it's just because we're we're all sort of stuck in in Pedro Pascal's other uh, project at the time. But what, what's your guys' temperature on on Mando coming is, tomorrow? Was the end of season two where they reintroduced Luke, or was that the Book of Boba Fett? I don't even no, know anymore. Both, end of season both. two was Luke, and then Book of Boba Fett sort of quickly. All oh, right, they're on yeah. the like recanted like, on the Luke thing. Yeah, yeah. And but, they get but, I mean, Grogu the, back in his arms, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, can we talk about how weird that is, right? So, assuming you are just watching the Mandalorian, and the Mandalorian yeah, is like, but it is like Disney's flagship or Disney Plus's flagship yeah. show. It is one of the biggest shows in the world. It performs very well on streaming charts. The Book of Boba Fett, as far as I'm aware, did not have the same cultural impact and did not have the same critical response, and does not appear to have made the same impact in terms of just casual viewers. So imagine. Imagine you watched the season two finale of like Mando and you're like, they took baby Grogu away. How are they going to resolve this? Like, I can't wait to see how Mando deals with not having baby Grogu around. And then you just tune into the start of this season. It's like, oh, we dealt with that halfway through the book of Boba Fett. (laughs) For book of Boba Fett, we just suddenly for two episodes decided we were the Mandalorian and that, that got dealt with. Really straight. Yeah, it would have been like if if the, the Thanos snap was <laughs> yeah. like resolved in Captain Marvel and then yeah. everyone comes back for Endgame. You're like, how did everyone get back? What? Yeah. <laughs> what how did this happen? I, uh, um, yeah, I mean, my hype hasn't been that high for Mandalorian, even though like I'm very interested in it because they're finally going to like Mandalore, uh, uh, you know, um, proper. And if you've watched like... Uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels and all that. Like, there's, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of big connections there. So I'm excited to see that. I think I'm just, well, first of all, I don't even think I watched the trailer because they spoil so much of the seasons in the trailers. So I haven't watched the trailer um, aside from like the first teaser they put out. And then I just kind of, I think my expectations are just so much higher now because of 
uh, and or and I'm like, mm-hmm. is this going to match that? And I really don't know. I'm kind of in a sense of like, just eh, <laughs> until I see it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get Andor out of my mind mm-hmm. because I know this isn't going to be Andor. Like we should know what this is going to be because we've had two seasons of it and I enjoyed those two seasons uh, by and large. I really enjoyed the first season. I enjoyed most yes. of the second season. And so I'm going in not hoping for another Andor with, with, you know, writing as poetic as, mm. as Stellan Skarsgård's <laughs> monologue about, you know, the, the sunless dreams and everything. <laughs> I uh, burn my soul to make no, a future yeah. I will yeah. never see. Yeah, yeah. With, the, yeah. with this season, with this season of Mandalorian, like I really just want to see the big production values of checking out, you know, the, the destruction of Mandalore and, and the battles yeah. and everything like this one. I'm not, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not expecting like great writing like Andor, but I just mm-hmm. want it to be, I think I think the the main thing for me is like how bad the book of Boba Fett was, especially the finale. And I'm like, <laughs> I need to, I need to like, I need to see it to believe it that Mandalorian is not going to be as shit as that was. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, I'm I'm uh, happy that John Favreau announced that season four is already written. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have so a story in place. Yeah, they very much they they have a story they want to tell, and it's not like. Ooh, what do people like from this season? Well, let's try to lean into that. Like, I, I appreciate that sort of confidence in long form storytelling. Um, whether that pays off, you know, we'll see. But um, I thought that was encouraging, I guess, at the very least. I mean, you mean, that, my, you mean, you mean I, that they have a plan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. Because I've definitely been a fan of some shows that didn't, like yeah. Lost. So, yeah. That's good. Do they have a plan? I mean, Favreau said he can also just see this thing running forever, which is not the words of a man who has a plan. It's like, sure, we'll just continue doing it until we're told to stop doing it. And it's like, you feel like somebody who doesn't necessarily have a long-term plan. Yeah. As long as there's like a co- cohesive story arc. Because that, that's been my biggest... I don't know if that's... Is this different from how he handled season one and two? Because season one and two felt like a collection of stuff and not really a that, well-told story. At least with like the Siege of Mandalore... There's, I think there's like an actual story hook now here of yeah. that being the focus over Grogu and whatever but, that was supposed to be. But I like part of me wonders though, like what people liked about. And again, I should be honest here. I thought the first season of Mandalorian was fine. I did not care for the second season. I found myself very quickly disinterested in the second season as soon as it became a bunch of stuff that you recognize from other shows that you can watch on Disney Plus, which is streaming now. Um, and I think that like my concern going into this is is precisely that, which is like this feels, as Nick said, kind of more like it's going to be the Book of Boba Fett Part Two, which is a big epic story, which is huge on Star Wars lore. That, as as you know, Marty pointed out, that Favreau has planned two years in advance of this stuff, and it's going to be this big sweeping epic of just stuff that kind of happens. When I think what I liked about the first season of Mandalorian, and what I think a lot of people responded to in the first season of Mandalorian, just casual viewers, not necessarily hardcore fans, was a sense of. Ooh, cool new Star Wars stuff each week. And each week yeah. it can be something new or different. Or, you know, we can get like a cool that that Dave Filoni Jedi episode, which is pretty mm-hmm. nice, for example, in season two. Or we can have like Mando helps a bunch of, you know, it does a prison break. Or, you know, Mando goes to an ice planet and meets some spiders or whatever. You know, you have that kind of structure where it's just like a bunch of stuff that happens and it looks nice and it's well made. My concern is that like we're we're shifting from that into no everything has to be gigantic and connected and set up five other things that are going to create five other Disney spin-offs. Um and that that's that's my fear when you talk about like coming out of the book of Boba Fett that it being more like that and particularly because you no longer have the driving force of like 
the origins of Grogu or Grogu's mm-hmm. arc because the show has just decided, well, Grogu had his arc, but we also like having Grogu. So uh, I guess Grogu is just going to stick around, um, which is not not a, not an encouraging sign for me for a show that yeah. knows what it's doing. You, you've seen the Rebels and Clone Wars now, right? I've seen most of the Clone Wars. I've not seen any of Rebels. Oh, okay. So, yeah, like Manda, Mandalore has Mandalore a huge story arc in Rebels. So, uh, and we already know, like, they've casted uh, live action uh, characters from Rebels. Yeah. And so, like, this is definitely going to be turning into, I think, kind of that where you have a lot of connections back to Rebels and this leads into the, the continuation of Rebels. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Ahsoka show, <clears throat> ultimately, they're building towards, like, finding Ezra and Thrawn, which is just yeah. the next Rebels story, um, yeah. which is which is pretty cool. But which, which I'm, well, I'm okay. presuming I'm in the Ahsoka a... Tano thing, right? Am I, I would imagine. I, I think a lot of yeah. the seeds are going to be dropped here. I would expect to see okay. some of those characters um, in this season. I'm yeah. just not doing this weird hand thing. Like, it's like a weird spider. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, part of me is, like, excited for that because I loved Rebels and I want to, I want more of that story. Uh, but as uh, Jumbly Wumbly puts in the chat, they're, they're Disneyfying it and connecting everything. Like, yes, I don't want that either. But what I will be happy with is if we get a mix of those things, because like that's what scared me so much about uh, Marvel buying or Disney buying Fox is like we weren't going to get those standalone Marvel movies like Logan or Deadpool anymore, and they all have to be connected to everything. And so like Andor really doesn't have any connection to the current stuff in Mandalorian or anything like that. So if we get a combination of those things, I could live with that. Man, you know how you know what was really good, Andor. (laughs) Andor really was like Andor feels like it's false hope. Like it feels like the problem with Andor is that now I'm like I know that genre entertainment can be this good now. It's like I'm watching Star Trek Picard, and I'm like, why isn't this like Andor? I'm watching Strange New World, like why is this like Andor? Yeah, when you go to see Ant Man, uh, why is this like Andor? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see Creed three tomorrow night. I'm pretty sure at some point my brain will go, this is pretty good, (laughs) but why isn't this like Andor? (laughs) Andor, you ruined everything for all of us. Uh, that's really funny. Um, yeah, so that'll be we'll have uh, we'll have a lot more on uh, to say about the the Mandalorian uh, next week. We'll have written coverage up, Darren Love columns, all that jazz. We'll get a uh, uh, so we'll get Steve. a combination of Mandalorian and the Mandalorian. Mandalorian? Did I not get that? Do I not understand that? More Mandor. Mandor or Mandor. Andor, that was an Andor comment. Man, uh, okay. I, that was that was rough. <laughs> it was. It was. I, I was didn't a, get it. I, when, I didn't get it either, I, but I kept quiet. Um, I, I got dragged. I went, felt my face getting dragged over gravel as I said it. <laughs> I did. I just didn't get it. I just I didn't. Maybe it's just it's well, just look, too too early in the look, afternoon. <laughs> if you like wordplay like that, I can assure you, there's Mandamorian of it to come. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, both of you. I'll do the rest of the show myself. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of uh, getting yeah, what you're more... saying is you'd like to be left behind, eh? Ah, we're not there yet. <laughs> okay, we got, sorry. We got two sorry. more quickies. We <laughs> okay. got two more quickies. Um, another thing I want to talk about another beloved property that is coming back to film for some reason. Uh, uh, Warner Brothers and New Line announced that uh, more Lord of the Rings films are in the works. Uh, this was announced at a Warner Brothers Discovery uh, investors call, where they also just announced that they're doing Mortal Kombat, the next Mortal Kombat game. They didn't let the developers of the game announce that. They just sort of offhandedly said it uh, in an investors call. Uh, but uh, Warner Brothers and New Line uh, are, are partnering with the Embracer Group, who now own the rights to the Lord of the Rings and Hobbits books in any adaptation form, whether it be games or comics or cartoons nope. Nope. or movies. 
And so, yeah, the, we're getting we're getting more films that I don't think it's got. It's not going to be the Lord of the Rings, but it's just going to be Lord of the Rings movies. But they're not going to be in conversation with the Rings of Power, the Amazon show. Yeah. But at the very least, they got like uh, Peter Jackson and and, and Philippa Boyens, the the you know the writers, directors, producers of the the. The, the, the good trilogy to to sort of say we're excited and they're keeping us in the loop um I, marty very generous you described the hobbit as the good trilogy uh <laughs> I, <just added laughs> Sorry. Barrel. Sorry. I love i love a nice 10 minute scene of them doing dishes what can i say <laughs> yeah. um yeah where do they what are they gonna they all the books have been adapted <laughs> i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know what this is um the third ooh, like ooh third age movie that's what i want <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what to, i don't want any, i don't think i want anything i don't think i want anything i want that. too bad you're getting it marty yeah. i want hey time just for the, Lord, the original for the lord of the rings verse you yeah. just re-release the movies in theaters i'd go see those that'd be great yeah i already have like, i have in 4k i don't need to go to the theaters nick i don't want to alarm you but theaters are better than your house no that's not <laughs> There's Have nobody. There's nobody crunching bags behind my ears. Where do you go? Everyone's crunching so many bags <laughs> everywhere. Saw cocaine they, bear on opening night. And everyone was very polite. It was even. It was pretty. It's because cool. everybody was on cocaine. Do you think people on cocaine are polite? Because <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> they're not. They were on cocaine uh, watching other cocaine, people on cocaine. Famous, they were in a cocaine downer. trance. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> famous relaxant it's like you come home from work you've had a long day you just do a line of cocaine and it knocks you right out you know i don't i don't know what happens when you mix popcorn and cocaine uh, it's the butter yeah that's what the, that butter. Yeah, put the put the salt on top yeah that's what the elmo draft house is doing um i mean i, I was gonna say why are they doing this they're doing this because this is warner Money. brothers they've already said their mo is going to be their mega franchises um they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with harry potter Obviously, the Fantastic Beast movies uh, were, were ultimately a failure. Cursed um, Child, the cursed, yeah, exactly. And then uh, my gut still says they're going to try to buy the rights from J.K. Rowling and then just reboot the whole thing as a seven-season series on HBO. Like that's what they'd want to do with Harry Potter. They'd want to just do Game of Thrones. It. Um, they want to do the same thing here. Obviously, they're they're going all in on the DCEU. Also, the DCEU is a very hard thing to say. DCU? Yes. I don't like that. E-E. Yeah. Um, just call it DCU. Like, I know that the DC universe is the comic book universe, but just call it the DC it's universe. Very, it's very easy to say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Nick, I saw by the fact that you almost just jettisoned yourself into space. Yeah, that's that's how I feel <laughs> about all this franchise bullshit. Yeah. Well, there's only one thing Nick cares about, and it's... It's Cocaine it Bear. Haunt, no, Haunted Moon. What's the Zack Snyder thing that you really excited Oh, Rebel, Rebel Moon. Moon. Rebel Moon. <laughs> it's a new Haunted thing. Moon. It's not a franchise. Haunted Moon. I mean, it, it it is Snyder doing Star Wars by way of The Magnificent Seven. I don't I know care. we can it's quite call it a new, new. thing. And I, it's, it's, I say it's that as somebody name. who's quite it's looking... <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, but I don't think <laughs> you can call it a new thing. <laughs> Who was it? I just read an interview with someone who's in the movie. and they were Corey Stoll. Was he talking about how he had the most like impressive sets he's ever seen? Yeah. The interview? Yeah. Yeah. That was the one where there was the none too subtle. It was a very different experience from shooting Quantum Mania. I cannot imagine what his experience <laughs> was like shooting Quantum Mania. Like, what camera was were they using on his face? Like what was going on? It was his what? own iPhone. It was yeah. done remotely Legitim- using legitimate. his own iPhone. <laughs> Bef- what aside from Avatar, have any of these major corps started a new franchise in the last decade? 
that, what, that is okay, on the scale so, of Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Harry Potter or any of those okay, things. Okay, well, you're asking a next to impossible thing in terms of being on the scale of those things. But, like, John Wick is coming out, like, in a, at the end of the month, and that's, that's Lionsgate franchise. Yeah, but okay, that's not okay. a... That's not, a, like, a, a, a culture-defining... Like, there hasn't been a new culture-defining franchise in forever, and they're just milking these things until people end up hating them. They've tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've definitely tried. Yeah. Shannara, um, the Shannara Chronicles doesn't count. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I guess. Mortal like, Engines. Remember Mortal Engines? Yeah, I guess Game of Game of Thrones I mean, is about that. About it there, but. But yeah. even that's that, that ninety one in terms of books. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's. I don't. I don't know why they're doing this. Stop it. Just don't. Well, money, money. That's why they're doing it. I mean, like. I, mean, I know. A- I know why they're doing it. I'm just like, man, like. Just want to see new stuff. Like, I'm, I'm surprised I just that people are surprised by this. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised by it about it all. As soon as Embracer bought it, I mean, Embracer milks everything they buy. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, they really embrace that side of the brand. Yeah. But I mean, I do think that it's an embrace to the bottom, if you will. Um, but I do think that it is like you look at the Warner Brothers slate. The Warner Brothers slate has had an undated Lord of the Rings movie on it for God knows how long at this point. I like mm-hmm. I'm surprised people are surprised at this. Not like not in a bad way. I think it's nice that people are still surprised by this, but part of me wishes that I was innocent enough to be like surprised by this. That I was naive enough that you were one, a sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah. As, uh, as Darren's recent in the frame said, it only matters if it's good. You know what? But do we think this process is going to end up with something good? Do you think we need to get that Look, IP in cinema? The, the only thing, the only thing I will get excited about is if Peter Jackson is behind it again. But half of his Lord of the Rings movies were bad. But he had to and the recent half. He had to rework those from Guillermo del, del Toro. So I think that was going to be a botched project, no matter how they did it. You know, the movie I liked, The Lovely Bones. Give yeah. more Stanley Tucci. Really? Get the really? touch in here. Get the touch okay. in here. A touch of the touch. Um, like, yeah, really? I think I had a Lord of the Rings afterglow that clouded my judgment of both okay. King, Kong King Kong and Lovely Bones. Okay, I'll give you King Kong. King Kong is not a masterpiece, but it's an interesting film. But Lovely Bones is yeah. like, what? What if so, you made so lovely? They are, They're so lovely. I, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm not. I'm not gonna fight it. Um. <laughs> It's Mark Wahlberg, right? Yeah, Mark it was Wahlberg. supposed to be Ryan Gosling too, which <laughs> yeah, is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, can we talk about Mark Wahlberg at the SAG Awards presenting Best Cast oh. to Everything Everywhere All at Once? The man convicted of a hate crime hate when he was crime? 16 against Asian yeah. Americans. Like, what is happening here? Um, also, he called it The Women Are Talking when he read the nominees <laughs> from, from the, the Women Are Talking. I'm Mark Wahlberg. I wake up at 4 a.m. I believe in Jesus Christ and the women are talking. Are talking. Um, the last thing, the, the Lord, the, our only savior left when it comes to originality uh, is coming out two days earlier. And that is because the Super Mario Brothers <laughs> movie is no longer coming out in the States on April 7th. It is now coming out on April 5th. Uh, so instead of a Friday... Coming out on a Wednesday, giving it that long weekend. I'm calling it. This movie is going to be big. This is going to be a, oh, a is, capital B big movie. They wanted to move it to Wednesday so that number they could say how big their weekend is, even though that's five days, which is not a weekend. That's not how weekends work. <laughs> Are you familiar with the famous Spectre Goose? Right? Are you familiar with the Spectre Goose? Is that like a ghost of a, a ghost no. of a bird? Sony uh, were releasing Spectre, the James Bond movie in the UK, right? Oh, goosing, yeah. 
goosing the numbers. And yeah. so what they decided to do was they decided that, first of all, they would release it on Halloween, which is a four, a three-day weekend as mm-hmm. the Monday afterwards. And instead of releasing it on, on Friday, like you normally would, they decided they'd release it on Monday. So it technically had an eight-day opening <laughs> weekend. Which was quite an impressive oh. piece of like accounting PR, like masterstroke. You can imagine all the opening weekend records that it broke with that amount Words of runway. Words mean nothing. <laughs> wow. Words yeah. are meaningless. Um, I just want I just want to keep bringing this movie up because I I really do think I think it's gonna be very big and I think it's gonna be good. Yeah, I think it might like, be fun. Like I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, I'm just saying it's gonna be. It, we keep looking for what the next Andor is, and I think it's going to be the Super Mario Brothers movie from the Minion Boys. <laughs> Minion, the Minion Boys are back. Yeah, that Chris Pratt Mario voice. Uh, I think I think this has all been a ruse, and I think uh, that Mario is going to die, and when the next life of Mario comes up, it's going to be Charles Martinet. That's what I think. Um, I don't actually think that. <laughs> I was about to say, can you imagine pitching that to Chris Pratt? Also, so, Chris, really, the internet's really going to hate you. Yeah, the internet's going to hate you, but it's going to pay but off you so well. You're going <laughs> to fall in a pit really quickly and then a new yeah. Mario. That'd be really weird if every time you died in Mario, your new Mario had a different name and a personality. <laughs> oh, like, like the I'm doctor. <laughs> uh, don't don't give him ideas because you're gonna now you're going to get Mario in the multiverse of madness. <laughs> Who's our biggest Italian actor? Because there has to be an Italian Mario, right? Roberto so Benini. Oh my god. You remember how good he was when he hopped across this, the, the chair? I deck? use a ball in my one-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the big Italian actors? What's going on? Italy. Yeah. Get your well, shit I mean, together. Monica, Monica Belushi, but I'm not sure I won't want Monica Belushi's Mario is a pitch, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> that's something. That is that's yeah. odd movie. Yeah. Wait, is Vin Diesel Italian? Because Dominic Toretto sounds like an Italian name. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Mario loves his family. <laughs> and it's a found family. It's found family. Because there's a and dinosaur Mar- in it and a, and a chimp and, and everything. Yeah, he's living his life one quarter mile of Rainbow Road at a time. I think we're onto something here. I think we're onto <laughs> something here. Um I guess sticking with video game adaptations, I guess we can talk about uh, the the main topic today, which is uh, The Last of Us, uh, Episode 7, Left Behind, uh, premiered on uh, Sunday. This one was written, again, by uh, Neil Druckmann, directed by Lisa Johnson, uh, and yeah, it adapted the the story of Left Behind, the 2014 uh, kind of DLC prequel side story uh, expansion thing released alongside or after The Last of Us when it came to uh, PS4. Uh, this was sort of an episode that that fans of the game had been waiting for to see if this was going to be a part of the season or if they were going to save this for afterwards or something or kind of do a like when the show was first announced. Part of me wondered if they were going to do what Euphoria did, where they had a in between seasons. They had a one off episode like and Sandman f- did with the dreams. Yeah, like Sandman did it or, yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, they, they folded it in here, and I thought they folded it in, uh, in, in my opinion, really well. And the changes they made from the game I thought were really smart. Um, and it, it just felt like um, if last week's episode was kind of Pedro Pascal's time to really shine, this felt like Bella Ramsey's time to like really stretch. And, and Storm Reid was also fantastic, I thought, as Riley. So, uh, Darren, what did you, you wrote about it for the site. What did you think of the episode? I, I really, really liked it. Again, we, we've talked about this a little bit where obviously this is a two person show and obviously, um, you know, like 
the cast have been absolutely fantastic. Bella Ramsey's been consistently good throughout. I think she's gotten better as the show's gone gone mm-hmm. on. I remember in the early episodes being like, I'm not sure about her American accents, and you guys being, I don't hear anything wrong with her American accent. I'm like, hmm. I guess that put me in my place. Um, but I think that like uh, the show has largely been kind of like structured around Joel. It's Joel's journey. It's Joel's arc. Joel is the focus. We're invested in Joel's emotional journey. Uh, Joel's the character who is changing and growing as he goes. And while you know. Ellie has this coming of age that's happening and she's kind of like becoming more aware of the world around her. She doesn't really have the same central place in the narrative in the season, at least until this episode. And so I thought this was like just a really clever way as we go towards the end game, there are only two episodes left, um, that this was a nice way of kind of centering her in the narrative and giving her space where, you know, not only in the framing device, she has to care for Joel and she's put in the position of caring for him the same way that he's been caring for her but also then giving us a flashback that is exclusively hers mm-hmm. in a way that no previous episode really has been. And I think it was just, it's, it's just a really beautiful piece of television. I don't know that it's quite as good as long, long time, the third episode, but I found myself really moved by it. It's really sweet. It's really charming. Ramsey is great as they always are. And I think Storm Reed, uh, who is like the Riley Abel, who's mm-hmm. plays kind of the other role here. Um, one of those great young actors uh, had the misfortune to star in like a wrinkle in time and that kind of set her yeah. career back. Uh, but she's everything she's in. She's consistently great. And I remember she was in like guns, the suicide squad. Who's like in a role that consists largely of yelling, fuck you at Idris Elba in increasing levels of volume yeah. and being like, that is a really good performance from both yeah. of them. And I think that they just played really well off one another here. I thought this was a really sweet, really thoughtful, really tender uh, piece of television. And obviously one that is very steeped in the zombie genre. I mean, eventually we were going to get zombies in a mall, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's we kind of have to get that, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's contractually obliged, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick, what did you think of it? Uh, Yeah, no, I I really liked it. Um, You know, I was kind of talking to some of my friends about it. There's like, nothing happened. And I was like, well, I mean, it's... Yeah, I think a lot of people are still grappling with the fact that like The Last of Us is a show about people and not zombies. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you know, if you're coming from the game and expecting all the action that the game had and everything, uh, you're just not going to get that in a in a show like this because it it wouldn't make sense. Because I know uh, I wasn't here last week, but people were kind of talking about, um, you know, how Joel is like complaining that he's weak and and everything and scared, and I was like. Like it wouldn't work if you adapted the game one for one, where he goes around murdering a hundred different people. Like he would just be, it. That's it doesn't work for something like this. Um. So yeah, I like the changes. I don't want to spoil anything because I know Darren's gonna play the game, but I don't want. Um. I like some of the changes and how you just get to spend a lot more time with the two of them, and mm-hmm. and their and their relationship building and everything, especially how they start out. Uh. Uh. The the academy stuff is different. Um, and I thought that was interesting where they're talking about how LA is going to be in a leadership role and everything like that. Cause that doesn't, that's never really talked about in the game at all about her like, no, taking no, a leadership the, role. Uh, yeah. She's, yeah, she's yeah. just a, she's just a, a vessel to save humanity kind of thing. Yeah. You don't really, and the, the left behind stuff is pretty much just the mall. Like you don't get the, whole, okay. So like, you don't get the framing like, devices. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you don't get all the, yeah. Of her. You don't get a, the stuff about her wanting to belong and wanting a purpose and stuff, which feels like it's kind of thematically essential to the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it, it tied really together where you understand why Riley wants to run away is cause she's yeah. like, yeah, they gave me my job and it was going to be like Clean overseeing shit. the people who shovel shit, <laughs> yeah. like, which yeah. is funny. Cause that's where we see Joel in the first episode. Yeah. Like we yeah. see him taking the shit shoveling 
shoveling job. So ostensibly, he like <laughs> she could have been his shit shoveling boss. Um, but, I, I uh, love the idea that it, like it's not she would have been shoveling shit. She would have been Joel's boss. That's how low down the totem yeah, pole Joel exactly. is. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's exactly how low. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, I thought um, visually, I loved this episode. I thought the uh, the show by and large has had really great um, set design and, and, and visual effects, but um, everything just felt so tangible. This, one of the things I'm really worried about for Mandalorian um, is the nothing's going to feel it? real. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna volumize everything. That was Quantum Mania. Like that's and <laughs> using the volume doesn't mean. You you have to lose that tangibility because there are volumes like, like the Batman had Batman. it in the first season, the Mandalorian, yeah, like used yeah, it very exactly. well. I would argue, yeah. Um, but whereas, like you saw the behind the scenes, like this was just a this was just a mall. I don't know if they built the mall, or if this was a mall, <laughs> but they just filmed in this mall, <laughs> and so like everything just felt real and felt tangible. And I think that uh, that goes a real that goes a long way. Like that that mm-hmm. that like really really impacted me. Yeah, really like it. Yeah. And again, like, again, the idea of like circling back to the core themes of the show and it being about like wanting to belong and wanting a place that is yours. And the idea, and again, it, it's kind of fascinating because obviously there are, there is a heavy political subtext to the show or whatever, you know, it is about things like fascism. It is about the idea of like governance. It is about free will and all this sort of stuff. But I like that, like, for, you know, Ellie, who is a teenager, it boils like the conflict between herself and Riley down to, I just want a place where I belong. Where mm-hmm. like Riley goes to the Fireflies because they give her a place to belong, even though, as you know, Ellie points out, you know, they bomb and kill civilians in their yeah. freedom fighting. And, you know, Ellie is just as comfortable like serving Fedra because it will give her a place to belong. You have that conversation with Captain Kwong, played by Terry Chen at the start of the episode, where he's like, Look, you can you can have a hot bed, you can have people who serve you, you can have a place and a life. And the idea that that is like that's all that she wants, and that's what kind of guides her. And the idea of like again, that the notion that how that ties back into the show with Joel and Ellie, where, you know, Joel kind of wants, like he, he's terrified of it, but he also kind of wants that family life that he lost back. He wants to be a father, even though he's terrified by the possibility of being a father. And Ellie is tied to him because she wants a family because she never had a family. You have mm-hmm. that conversation about like, you know, whether it's worse to have known and lose your parents or whether it's better to not to have known them at all. Yeah. And like the idea that like, all that stuff is like just really good emotional character driven writing, which is something yeah. I absolutely love about the show, particularly like we've talked about, we talked about like rings of power and we talked about how many of like modern franchise shows in particular tend to lean hard on like plot driven mystery boxes where the shocking reveal is that it turns out that, uh, Oh, that is the X, Y, Z, which is the thing that you recognize from ABC, which means, you know, DEF or whatever. Are we talking Whereas about I, Gandalf? <laughs> we are maybe talking about Gandalf or maybe talking about like the literal mystery box that they open at the end of the second episode. Um, <laughs> but like here, I like that the mysteries are personal, right? So like you have, mm-hmm. you mentioned it back at the start of the season. You have the moment where, you know, uh, Tess asks her where she got bitten or how she got bitten. And she says she got bitten in a mall. That was when she killed her first uh, kind of zombie or whatever. And it's like, you went there alone and there's a pause and she goes, yes. And that's a lie. And, you know, at the time, if you're watching it, you clock and you go, that's a very suspicious pause from a teenager. Mm -hmm. But it's fascinating that the big reveal is, no, she went there with like the woman that she loves. Um, yeah. And that that this was a formative experience and she has basically suppressed and kind of hidden and buried that. 
And I like that, like, the big reveal isn't, oh, my God, she got injected with super magic zombie cure juice by a mad scientist in the mall. It's like, no, she lied about it because it's a deeply personal thing involving her best friend. Like, the, the reveal is so small, but so personal, and it works so well. I also, yeah, like, I also like that they don't even they don't even need to show Riley dying. Yes. Yeah, and I, yeah I don't I'm curious if they're going to come back to that or if I, I kind of liked leaving up so. the audience to know, like, well, they both waited to turn and one of them turned and the other one didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it's in the next couple episodes. But uh, yeah, and I thought it I thought it did a great job of, of really, again, paralleling Joel and Ellie in that these are two people who are terrified of letting their guard down and letting someone else in because every time they've done that, it's just hurt them more. Like Ellie, the one person Ellie let her guard down around was Riley. And when she does this, like not only it's, it's so much worse. I think how this goes out that they both get bit and then at least think they're going to be able to have this poetic ending together. And then they don't. Because like like it's it's worse to be the survivor than it is to be the yeah. one that's gone, uh, and so that's the weight that Ellie's carrying. When we first meet her in the beginning of the first episode, or you know halfway through the first episode, where she almost is like a, a, a chained up dog, to where she's she's swearing and she's lashing out, and you're kind of like, what what happened to this girl? And now you're like, oh, I completely understand why she's this way. Like she's lost everything she's had to live for right now. And like, I mean. Wh- and then, and then throughout the season, Joel's obviously been the same way. And then he loses Tess. And then as the two of them start bonding, you're like, oh, they're just like, as their love is growing, their vulnerability of losing the other one is also their codependent. Their, their, yeah. their biggest weakness is growing. Yeah. Yeah. They're becoming again intertwined, like the fungus and the host or whatever. Yeah, to bring it back exactly. to the zombie metaphor. Yeah. I mean, like again, you you mentioned that that idea of like the the terrible thing. It's it's almost worse to be the survivor. It's almost worse to be pardon the title drop left behind, if you will. Um, but like, yeah, that this is consistent with how the show deals with violence. We've talked about like even just how it shoots violence. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you don't see Riley presumably turning and having to be killed. But you know that that's something that Ellie obviously carries with her. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that like violence is something that you carry with you. And again, the, we talked about how the show shoots violence, where you'll more often focus on the person holding the gun than the person receiving the bullet, um, which, again, is just a fascinating thematic kind of concern. It's like, an, and again, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's a, it's a, I was actually going to ask you, Marty, because it's an interesting way how they're handling this. Because like the game, I mean, the game is kind of i wouldn't say glorifies the violence but makes it a very big focus because it's because it's a game it's a game yeah yeah uh i was kind of expecting the show to be a lot more brutal than it actually is and the fact that it's not uh has been kind of interesting to see yeah i mean i was even so my mom's been watching this show yes uh yeah Yeah. so and listen i could say at least in my experience one out of one moms like this show so no two (laughs) out of two we're we're, we're, two moms like this show and if if you if you scale up no she hasn't watched it yet (laughs) (laughs) if you scale that to ants it goes to three out of three like oh my god that's huge that's huge (laughs) uh hbo right now are like we want to commission four seasons Uh, but I was I was talking to her about it, and uh, you know she was asking me like every, almost every week she watches it, and we we talk, and and she asked me about like differences and stuff. And um, the crazy thing about this, because I just replayed the game, and this isn't a spoiler, but like 
killing is the main mechanic, main verb of the game. Like, Dar- yeah. Darren, you played a little bit of it. You know, like, as soon as you get it past that prologue, killing is the main yeah. verb. Like, you can you're, kill you're people an quietly, killing you can machine. kill people loudly. Uh, once you gain, spoilers, gain control of Ellie, you can kill people with a bow and arrow, <laughs> you can kill people with a brick, you can kill people with a knife. And so this Left Behind DLC is interspersed with moments of Ellie just killing a bunch of people. And, like, it is crazy to me to think how different this character would be in this show if these things were happening and it's also like oh by the way ellie has like a kill count of like 257 <laughs> yeah and it's not just the zombies there's just a <laughs> bunch of dudes too <laughs> like it is nuts because um, yeah with uh last week's episode with the the hospital yeah i was fully yeah. thinking that was going to be an action-packed brutal episode and it was because there's not. a shit ton of guys to kill in that <laughs> yeah. level in the game yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i liked that there was only like whatever five Three. guys and it's one guy <laughs> yeah. who happened to like shiv joel with the broken baseball bat or whatever yeah. that that got him in there um so yeah those changes like i i think are almost all for the better uh you know i i think uh, uh <laughs> if you just adapt it one-to-one anyone watching the tv show would be like <laughs> My God, this person's like <laughs> Joel, Joel, Joel's a psycho murderer. <laughs> but it's just I don't know when you're playing a game, it doesn't really. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I did kill a lot of people in that game. Well, and I, I and I like I mean, going back to like the Kansas City episode. Like that whole chain of events is set off because he basically kills one guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that like I think that's really interesting. Yeah, there's a weight behind every death, and like like everyone's saying, even the way they frame it is, yeah. um, everyone means something to these people. Every person, everything they kill means something. Well, it's not just like, oh, I got seven headshots in this <laughs> battle, and now I'm moving on to the next room. Yeah, we won't, and I won't spoil anything for season two. But I, I, that's going to set up. I think season two is going to have a much heavier weight because yeah. of how they're there's, handling. There's consequences this. to your actions. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I've been, I've been really, just, man, really fucking impressed so far. Just really, I just, yeah, I like every episode. I don't. There's been, yeah, you know, there's been. I think there's some episodes that like really shine, but I don't think there's there's been any duds. Um, no, and, and um, I, I don't know. I just have faith in the last two episodes. Kind of like how we we're feeling near the end of, of Andor, where I was just like, man, I just, you're like in the hands of like really gifted creators, and I'm like, hell yeah, just take me for a ride. It's just, weird to just trust the TV same show. for Halo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like really weird it's weird to be in a space where you're like i i'm not only like have no idea what's coming but i just generally trust the people making it not to fuck this up yeah which is great it's a great thing to feel nice we have like a lot of shows like that on tv yeah you have succession that poker face yeah for its final season for its final season which oh my god announcing that something is ending to me oh Letting something go out on its own terms. <laughs> Until they bring back like, Succession from Warner Bros. And the, oh, the no. I mean, it'll be like the how they're doing billions. <laughs> they're doing billion spinoffs, millions and trillions. And I'm like, what are we doing here? Wait, really? Oh, my God. Like, yeah, they're yeah, doing two spinoffs. Yeah. One's called Millions, which are about people who are slightly less rich. And one's called Trillions, which are about people who are very rich. <laughs> I like that. Oh, it's yeah. like it's people like are, this one is just who, this one's too rich and this one's yeah. too poor. Yeah. But yeah, this exactly. one is radioactive Jawa. Radioactive radioactive Jawa and chess says bring back Lost. They're gonna re, they're gonna bring it back and call it found. Listen, <laughs> Fran, you joke. I would be tickled pink if they bring back Lost. Give me more. I, what's going on, on that island? 
I'm now waiting for, yeah, I'm waiting for, like, the next five corporate mergers from Warner Brothers to announce that, like, Robo Logan is back gonna, in Succession 2.0. Yeah. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna use that Jack meme of, we have to go back, and, and they're gonna be like, ABC's, ABC's gonna again. be our, we are, again. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's perfect. Okay, um, I'll go, That's how I you will. announce it. That's, that's the, tw- the long dormant lost Twitter account just sends out, we have to go back. God damn it. Again. This is gonna happen. I would you know this is gonna shit. happen now. Lost might be my favorite thing ever. And they're going to ruin it by making it your least favorite thing. You can't ever. ruin it. You can't ruin it. It's perfect. It's batting a thousand. Even it's terrible episodes, batting a thousand. Even it's like I mean, genuine I mean, dog shit episodes, still batting a thousand. The, the second, the, has ABC even had like a big hit show in forever? That's Disney. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it is Disney. Uh, yeah. Whatever. It's, I mean, do they I, have, I literally don't know no. what's on network TV. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like, I don't know what's on ABC where's NCIS? <laughs> There's is one NCIS day. on CBS or is. Yeah, that's CBS. Uh, CBS. All right. Maybe ABC was like law, or law and Order, right? Oh, well, they're, they're doing pretty well for TNT? themselves. Is that TNT? Does TNT has the Chicago exist? Cinematic Universe, which is a Chicago <laughs> which fire isn't department even show. It doesn't matter. It's all cinematic to me. There's a fire department show, a police show, and a hospital show, but it's all the same characters. And every once in a while, they'll do a crossover event. And let me tell you, yeah. fucking. Cooler than the Avengers. Girl, well, it takes like three the hours. Is in like, the hospital. And there's fire. The fireman's like putting out the doctor and shit. Oh my god, it's great. Is great. Grey's Anatomy still going? Or did that wrap up? No, yeah. No. Ellen Pompeo just left again. Apparently, again. she was kind of like so half in half out, going? right? Yeah. There's no the good it's, doctor. It's, it's no, no. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, Grey's Anatomy's still going. On. I don't think it's ended. Oh. Yeah. yeah no, Grey's Anatomy's still going. Like literally, Mer- Meredith Grey just left. Ellen Pompeo just left. She'll come back. Don't, don't you? There's, there's, there's enough zeros they could write on that. For her to come back. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at their schedule here. Like, yes, yeah, so Station 19, the Goldbergs, Abbott Elementary, which I believe which is we have a fan incredible. on. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. The the Good Doctor. Um. Oh, the Rookie has a spinoff. So there's the Rookie, and then there's the Rookie Feds, which what? would imply that the Rookie's doing quite well for itself, right? More, more Ooh, I saw an episode of some show called La Brea. You guys ever hear about the La Brea show? Some some folks no. in L.A. who fell into like a fucking pit or something. Like a Whoa. pit opens up. What was that? A pit. And then they're like a billion years in the past and there's dinosaurs. But you don't know. Maybe it's the future because they got some like spaceships and shit down here. People are meeting their grandsons and their grandfathers. Is this an Adam Driver movie? No, no. You no, think it's 65. <laughs> yeah. My most anticipated movie of the year. <laughs> Is that out yet? No. <laughs> no, March, it's, March it's also 10th. it's another March. Yeah. Oh, we're yeah, we're very excited. Nick's got that March in the 12th? calendar. I don't know which day it is. <laughs> this is very it's probably, probably, the 10th. It's probably Friday, yeah. I'll probably just buy a 4K copy of it when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how don't bad. Don't you it shake is. your head at me, Marty. You haven't seen Avatar yet. Yeah, but I saw Cocaine Bear and I saw Plane and I saw Mithrigan. So I've seen all the big the big uh, theater movies for the, the year. G- big Listen, Jim's favorite fan didn't show up for him. Avatar's last year. I already said I did my work. All I had to do was hype up Avatar. I didn't say I was ever going to see it. Your, I, I your, bought a ticket. I bought a ticket. I just didn't go. Your, he didn't even buy a ticket. Your ticket could have pushed him over the, the line to get the most whatever movie ever. Most money oh, made. He would just be himself? Yeah, about to say. Yeah, like, <laughs> that would have got him definitely yeah. past Titanic 3D. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That um, one ticket just it's kept, end- kept it's, him it's, from breaking it, his the, record. I saw, four, Endgame, I, I saw Endgame several times. So. Yeah. The top four is, isn't it? At the moment, it's Titanic, it's Avatar 2, it's Endgame, and it's Avatar, right? So, like, yeah. three, three of the top four highest <laughs> grossing movies of all time, unadjusted for inflation before people yell in the chat about it, um, yeah. are James Cameron movies. But what yeah, about inflation, Darren? 
And for inflation, it's never going. You're never going to be gone with the wind. (laughs) Gone with the wind is gone with the wind. That's what happens. No one was like, oh, I'll just buy a 4K copy of Gone with the Wind and watch it on my radio at home. It was also like, yes, if I wanted to see it, I had to go to the cinema 40 years after it was released. Mm -hmm. It's like playing revival screenings into the 80s. It kind of has a little bit of a like a a heads up. It was one of those like, if I don't see it now, I might literally be dead by the next time I can (laughs) see it. Yeah, yeah, which we don't have with uh, 65, sadly. I have have a hot take about 65. (laughs) I think 65 is going to be really bad. Let's play 65. All, all that matters is that they get to the sequel 69. Uh, that's several sequels. Then. Exactly. That's so many sequels. This will be like, the next major franchise. I'm no, putting my name on it. 69 is the porn parody. Think about that. People having sex with dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, like that, that's first. it. It's like it's like Adam Driver la- or the Adam Driver porn lookalike lands on a planet, and he's like, if dinosaurs don't exist, <laughs> how do you explain these bones? Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he looks like like thick Kylo Ren, shirtless Kylo yeah. Ren with the high waisted pants. I was thinking, I was just thinking. I know how to say the dinosaurs dinosaurs from extinction. <laughs> oh no! And then he has sex with a dinosaur. And they make some sort of chimera hybrids. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> that's, that's, um, how, that's how humans evolved. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's so nice. Thanks, congratulations, Axel Braun. Uh, you owe us however much money you owe us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been, I'm going to be honest, it's been really nice kicking off the year with The Last of Us. The show's been really good. Just nice to have something to talk about every week yep. that's really good. I'm hoping Mando sparks this same level of excitement. Um, like we said, even yeah, if not. We got, we got Yellow Jackets. We got Yellow Jackets. We got Yellow Jackets. We got Succession. We got Session. Ted Lasso. Yeah. We got like, um, yeah. and you're liking, is it Hello Tomorrow that's currently on as yeah, well? Like I'm Poker absolutely Poker Face is currently poker on. Poker Face is wrapping yeah. up. Uh, yeah. Darren told me his most anticipated show is CW's Gotham Knights. I mean, but look, yeah. uh, the heart wants what it wants, Marty. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it wants Gotham days and sometimes it wants those Gotham nights. Um, <laughs> that's going to be very bad. That's going to be, a, that's gonna be <laughs> the best yeah, show no. this year. <laughs> I, I didn't even know it existed until you mentioned it. <laughs> so, um, that, is, is that, it a show, Titan spinoff? Or no, what is no, it? it's a CW show. <laughs> from the, yeah, it's but CW. aren't they all interconnected because they're all Warner Brothers? Not anymore. Well, no, these are different. The Gotham oh. Knights are, I believe it's Robin, it's it's yeah. Nightwing, it's Batgirl, and it's Red Hood. At least that's those yeah. are the Gotham Knights in the game. In the game, yeah. Because in the game, and the Batman, game was like an yeah. arc Batman has Ro- died. He has this, passed away. Yeah, this Rest show. He's Batman, but we got these shitty kids to come save the city. Yeah, this show just looks like a stupid, <laughs> shitty detective show with dumb kids. <laughs> Is it going to be like Gotham, which was like, what if we take Batman and like the things that you like about Batman out of Batman? That's kind of what the trailer. Yeah. What if you had like? a Batman show and it was just a cop show? The the trailer I think is like one of the most disliked trailers I think ever. <laughs> that that one careful that reveal, is- reveal trailer. <laughs> yeah. how, how do you how do you top dick grayson's uh is it titans trailer where he says fuck so batman fuck, yeah, fuck yeah. Batman. you don't you know how you top it he fucks batman <laughs> that's axel braun yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's how you top it CW, cw just turns into a porn network <laughs> who someone owns is netflix on the cw someone no. owns the cw uh, yeah, who does? I thought it was a, like it's Warner's, isn't it? It was like Warner's and UPN, wasn't it? Do I remember correctly? The Next Star Media Group. I don't know who that is. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you. Definitely don't know who that is. I, they I, feel like a fake, a fake company. I used, to, I used to like CW shows, and then like Arrow just became every week. Al Oliver does something dumb and gets mad at himself. I watched the first few seasons of Arrow and Flash, and I thought they were fine. 
Arrow, uh, Arrow was fine until after they killed Damien Dark. <laughs> and then after that, it was, was yeah, it was like. Yeah. But didn't they four. bring him back for uh, they, yeah, they, the they never, time travel they, one, Legends Tomorrow? Yeah, they never killed anybody in Arrow. Like, every time they have an emotional impact, it was brought back. And I was like, okay. The way that you say that, it's like he never killed anybody. Oliver Queen never did anything wrong. No one can prove it. He he, he, yeah. he their whole show is about him like feeling bad about killing people as he's shooting them with metal tipped arrows. <laughs> like yeah, but they were. It was just in the it was just in the shoulders, so they incapacitated them. Yeah, they were corked. Exactly. Uh, you wanna you wanna move to stuff we've been watching? Been watching me goodies. I've been watching. Nick, you've been finishing a couple shows. Oh yeah, I wrapped up 1923, uh, the Taylor Sheridan show. That's a prequel to Yellowstone and. By golly, that I love it. I loved every episode of 1923. Super Heck great show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ford, having a moment. Yeah. He he doesn't do a whole lot in the show because he's old. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he's not uh, stopping Indiana Jones from fighting Nazis. No, but he, yeah, he, he acts really great in that. Um, he just fits in a Western as like this really grumpy old man who's trying to like preserve his way of life. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the whole other part of the show is like this his nephew. Uh, love story like he's returning from World War One and, and like is doesn't want to go back to his family for you know a bunch of reasons and and it turns into like this uh full full on love story adventure that they go on and it's really really well acted uh, really touching story uh, there's great action when there needs to be but it's a it's a very much family drama show with like a lot of emotion just running through the entire thing great set pieces. Um, the whole other there's like basically three storylines there's like uh you know the the stuff in, in yellowstone that's happening uh there's the nephew in africa and that story the love story that happens there and then the other story is uh about a native american uh woman who is basically in this like i think it's christian school or something like that like you know they put a lot of people from the reservations into these schools to you know uh teach them the ways of god and it's really fucking brutal, but I don't, and I don't feel like I've ever seen anything like this on TV where you kind of get a sense of how they were treated, uh, by the church. And it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to watch. And if like knowing that that stuff happened, like, I think I talked about it when I was originally talking about 1923 of like, you know, uh, we came in and colonized, you know, the West and then just started introducing laws to native americans and they're like what law what the hell are you talking about like what is this i have to follow what now and it's just it's kind of it's really heartbreaking watching that and like knowing that stuff like that went down uh just just their fight for survival and a a government that did not care about them and and just kind of came in and told them here's what you're doing now your way of life doesn't matter anymore Uh, you know like the the show handles that because i i've honestly i've seen the taylor sheridan movies i've never watched any of the shows but the the show handles heavy topics well um, it doesn't get like it shows the actions of those heavy topics. I don't know if it like it doesn't really focus on discussing those topics other than like, you know, how the Native Americans maybe reacted to those topics. Um, and it just shows the brutality of basically white man in that area uh, and, and like the, the corruption of the church. Um, so, it, it you know, it's a Taylor Sheridan thing. So it's much more focused on like the larger picture. Um, and not like the intimate stuff, but I mean, like they definitely like they spent a lot of time at the school and how they were treated at the school, like women were treated specifically at the school. Um, and like, you know, the, the church is like, well, your job is to 
be in the house and, you know, take care of your man and, and do all the cleaning and everything like that. And that's basically what they're training them to do. And if they speak out or whatever, you know, I mean, they're, they're beating the shit mm-hmm. and, and beaten, beaten up, raped everything. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a brutal, it's a brutal show, but I mean, it's just like 1886. Like I, I just don't think Taylor Sheridan misses and, uh, I haven't watched Yellowstone yet, but I'm, I'm definitely going to now. If I can yeah, get it, Chelsea, if I can get it, Chelsea King, yeah, yeah, I have to. It's fucking annoying. So Peacock has the rights to Yellowstone, even though it's a Paramount yeah. show, and so I can't watch it on Paramount yeah. Plus. I have to go back and subscribe to Peacock. This is worse than cable. Everything about yeah. <laughs> streaming is worse than cable. But you know they did a test where people won't bundle. Like it's customers who won't bundle. Customers will refuse to bundle. They will pay more to have the channels they want than to have a bunch of crap they don't want for cheaper, which mm-hmm. is remarkable. And what's um, it's, but, what's really what's even more annoying is like Showtime and Paramount are going to merge, but they're not going to yeah. merge Peacock into it as well. Strong. Well, because they're owned by a different company. Like, are they? It would be it would be great if like Paramount could just go. We want to merge. Like we decided we want Disney Plus. We decided we want Peacock. Maybe Netflix. Maybe we'll just we'll, we'll yeah. come back for that next year. So there you go. Uh, but um, if you do got Peacock, uh, Poker Face is on Peacock. It's great. Yeah, I guess I have two shows I want to watch. I can subscribe to it. <laughs> <laughs> but they just wait they, till Peacock, and subscribe to it, and then yeah, and binge it. Yeah. But didn't um didn't Peacock used to be? Now I don't think they are, but they used to be free. They used to have a free ad supported tier. I think they literally stopped doing that about two months ago. They did, and they right. now have a cheap ad supported tier or a more expensive. Okay. Yeah, which yeah. um my favorite thing was John Carpenter tweeting out, I bought Peacock to watch Poker Face and there are ads. What am I paying for? And everyone's like, John oh. Carpenter, you need to pay for the more expensive version of Peacock. And I'm like, listen, yeah, I hope he can afford it. You've wronged one of our iconic <laughs> genre directors of all time. How dare you? I'm like, I will pay for a John Carpenter's Peacock. I feel like that's a social good. I also, like let John Carpenter good. let him let him take a stab at an episode of Poker Face next season. Oh yeah, that'd be have amazing. her get involved in some spooky shit somewhere. <laughs> yeah, she stumbles on Just like interrupting a Halloween yeah, an old director who likes playing Dead Space a lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> watching basketball. See, I think that'd be I think that'd be beautiful. Yeah. Um, so you've watched so you've watched eighteen eighty three. Like, were there no like notable connections between eighteen eighty three and nineteen twenty three? All well, these names are bad names for shows. So it, it's eighteen eighty six and nineteen twenty three. They're all prequels. But they, there's no it relation is, to eighteen ninety nine. It is eighteen eighty three. I'm literally looking at it right now. Oh, is it eighteen eighty three and nineteen eighty three? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, it's all about the Dutton. you're thinking of the order eighteen eighty six, which oh, has werewolves. I want that back. Um, <laughs> it is. It's, <laughs> It's all connected to Yellowstone because they're both prequel stories to Yellowstone. So it's basically tracking the family line of the Dutton family up into Yellowstone. Um, and so I guess if I had watched Yellowstone, I'd get a lot more connections to it. So hopefully... Oh, you'd be like, oh, this is so-and-so's great-great-grandpa. Right, right. Does that mean we're getting like a 1963 then, logically, right? If we're, if that's I, how we're moving, well, we're getting like quantum leap 40 years through time. We're, we're going to see like a Manson family <laughs> episode. Manson we're, getting, family uh, we're getting a season two of 1923. Uh, so they didn't they didn't wrap it up in this season, which thank God because I want more of that. Um, yeah, I don't. Also doing he's doing a Bass Reeves show, um, but I don't know yes. if that's going to be like in the cinematic universe of these other things. Yeah, I don't I don't know I don't I haven't looked at the schedule for Taylor Sheridan's twenty plus shows he's working on because I, <laughs> I have to watch I want to watch the Tulsa King <laughs> with Stallone in it and uh, his uh, the other one which I keep forgetting uh, the. One Does he have another show on top of that? Yeah. Mayor of uh, Kingstown. Mayor of Kingstown. Oh, yeah. Mayor of Kingstown with Jeremy Renner. Yep, yep. The one that is not the mayor of Easttown. <laughs> mayor of Easttown. It is not mayor <laughs> yes. of Easttown. Yeah. Yes. Very confusing. 
Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's basically if you're very much into Yellowstone and you want to know more about the Dutton family line and like see different periods of history, like it's fantastic. So, <laughs> I guess I was I was gonna say like I hope that watching the prequels first enhances my experience of watching Yellowstone now. But have you have you seen? Um like Sicario, uh, mm-hmm. Hell or High Water, and yep, I watched all of his movies. Okay, yeah, his movies right. fucking rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah, really, I'm really, really sad he did not direct the sequel to Sicario because the yeah, sequel that was not kind great. of a bummer. Yeah, the Soldado. Yeah, um, yeah. He directed that firefighter movie that, with what's with Angelina Jolie. Uh, those of which that we did. That one yeah. was not bad. It was enjoyable, That's a solid but very forgettable. Movie. Very yes, forgettable. It's, it's a very 90s movie. It's the kind of movie that in the 90s you got like 20 of these a year and you're like, I don't know if these are any good. And now you're like, give yeah. me. Like, give yeah. me. It's like diet cliffhanger. Yeah, <laughs> speaking yeah it's like, um, was it rewatching? Was it the uh, What Lies Beneath? Speaking of Harrison Ford, which is this oh, Robert Zemeckis movie from 2000. Great and it's movie. amazing because, yeah. That's Michelle Pfeiffer so too, right? Yeah. And like, again, I would argue one of Ford's best performances, one of the best uses of Ford. Um, but like, I remember like reading reviews of that and then being like, oh, it's another Hitchcock best. <laughs> oh, it's another adult oriented thriller. We have so many of these. Could studios not like just stop pumping them out? And yeah. it's weird that you watch it now and you're like, yeah, this is a four star master. Cut to Jack screaming. Na- we have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Is that maybe Robert Zemeckis' best movie um, of that since then? Uh, Castaway yeah. I think, came out afterwards, but Castaway yeah, did yeah. come out afterwards. Yeah, Polar Express also came out afterwards. So I, that is a fact. Yes, that is a statement <laughs> that is technically true. Um, oh, I don't see ahead. how it relates to the conversation so, we're having, but I'm, yes. Uh, checking on the upcoming Taylor Sheridan shows. <laughs> so he has a show coming up that's called Six 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 Six, and it's a. Uh, uh, Wait, are there four sixes? Yeah, four sixes, and it continues the Yellowstone timeline in the present. It's another Yellowstone spinoff. <laughs> we don't have to do that much. That seems like too much. Uh, Landman, he's working. So here's all the shows he's working on. 1883, The Bass Reeves Story, which yeah. is... Uh, it's about ba- Bass I, Reeves. Was, uh, he was featured in one of the episodes of... Uh, it's an 1883 spinoff, yep. Watchmen. Uh, yep, it's another Yellowstone spinoff. 6666 is a Yellowstone spinoff. Landman is a Yellowstone spinoff. Lioness is a... Lioness is uh, separate show. Nicole Kidman yep. and Zoe Saldana. Oh! He's working on Finest Kind... That yeah. doesn't sound like a real show. Yes, he's, he's working on like he's like working on like fifteen twenty shows. From, what's you know what's Jesus. hilarious is like when when like shared universes announce this many shows, you're like half of them are going to materialize. And with Sheridan, it's like no, I've already written like half of the season for it. Yeah, no, I've already got Paramount, half the season in the back. Paramount's going all in on the Yellowstone universe, but uh, you know what? Uh, it's one of those uh, like as long as the quality keeps up, I'm fine with it because I love period okay. shows. So. Uh, if he, I have no beef with like Sheridan being given a fiefdom. It's like Shonda Shonda Rhimes or whatever. It's, yeah. Or even even Ryan Murphy, whose work I don't like quite as much. But I'm like, okay, at least the stuff that they're doing is something that clearly interests them. And like for every Dahmer, you get an American crime story. Like people seem to really yeah. like working with them. So like, yeah, mm, yeah. That, yeah, that seems cool. Yeah, yeah. I, it, there Bring was, a bunch there, of actors you wouldn't expect to be on TV on TV. At, oh, at, uh, at one point, I would have been excited about the Walking Dead universe, and then you know, seasons five through 12 happened. Yeah. <laughs> Cause man, I go, I go back and like watch like Shane's death in the walking dead. I'm like, man, this is just excellent, excellent TV. And I'm like, what happened to that show? <laughs> it's so sad. It ran for another 25, 25 years. years. Yeah. 
That's what it, yeah, you either uh, uh, live, uh, die a hero or live long enough <laughs> yeah. to see yourself become a villain. Was Shane, walking uh, was Shane uh, John Barenthal? Yeah. John Bar- yeah. Yes. Man, you know who rules? John Barenthal. John Barenthal. Barenthal. Like, again, he's another Sheridan regular. He keeps more popping Punisher. up. Like, I, I love that like Sheridan uh, like keeps casting him as this really fundamentally decent human being, yeah. which is so much like at odds with like how he's used elsewhere where they're like yeah. this guy is really intimidating and strong and has a very screen strong screen presence and uh, sheridan's like but what if he's a big teddy bear <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. i just want i just want more punisher um i want more good punisher um that's my caveat mm. punishers one and two seasons one and two were great i don't want to hear anything else okay go away dude. Right. go away you take your son as a uh, woman go out back <laughs> Right. Oh, Mister! I don't watch Marvel anymore. <laughs> I did watch Marvel, and it still made me even more cynical. So sh- fuck off! You haven't gone into the quantum realm. <laughs> I haven't. You I, haven't, haven't yet. <laughs> I haven't watched Wakanda, and I haven't watched Quantum Realm yet. Oh man, are you not missing out on too much? Uh, I did you, not call myself being the biggest fan of Wakanda forever on this podcast, but here we are. Um, <laughs> uh, Nick, you also uh, finally um, paid your, your ransom to uh, Amy and watched Bad Sisters. Oh, yeah. How did I forget about that? Amy has been banging the drum on yes. for, for the better part yeah. of a couple months. Go watch Bad watched Sisters. It. And dot, dot, dot. So good. I, I watched it in two nights. That's how good it was. <laughs> I just could not put it down. Uh, the the guy I forget the actor's name, but the guy that plays the prick, Brad Sisters. He no, uh, Darren, I'm sure Darren's googling it for me. But that guy, like you, absolutely like all the IMBD or IMDb reviews are correct. Like you want to kill him yourself. <laughs> like he is such a prick. This is Clay's <laughs> Bang, the Danish guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what else he's been in. The guy who okay, he was in like the Triangle, the the Ruben Ostad movie. He was in uh, Burnt Orange Heresy. No, no. What was the one before that? The art, the square. He was the in the square. square. Sorry, that all the geometric. Shapes. Holy yeah, shit! All the geometric. Shapes. Yeah, all the geometric compositions. But he also he was, Dracula uh, in. Modern he was in Moffat. Yeah, Moffat yeah. and Catus's Dracula. He was in the Burnt Orange Heresy with uh, was it a little bit to Becky? Um, he's he's just one of those great green presences who feels like if his name was he's he, he, he basically place bang is like a great descriptor he always bang he was also in the northman yes he was he was the the uncle wasn't he, he was the guy yeah. who killed uh, i thought you were saying he was the viking <laughs> no isn't he he's 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 well not a viking he's from abroad if i remember correctly isn't it he's like the the uncle who lives abroad who's like i'm gonna mo- guess who's moving oh, in with your mom wait, is he fjolnir <laughs> yeah avenge father uh, save mother avenge father kill fjolnir He's yeah. Fjolnir. He's the Fjolnir he needs killing. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. The that Fast first trailer Fjolnir. was so good. <gasps> the Fast and the Fjolnirs. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, really good. But yeah, no, uh, Bad, Bad Sisters is like, it's very much a dark comedy. Like uh, there's definitely points in it where you, you're definitely laughing. It's really great on the, the drama and emotion of it all. Like you, you, the casting on that show was perfect. Like you instantly get into the lives of these characters and connected to them. Um, and the mystery, like the mystery, is good until the very last episode. Like I did not know who was doing what until the very last episode, which is a sign of a great show <laughs> that knows and how to keep it. And it all makes sense as well. It all makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. uh, like awesome. if you go back and rewatch it again, like you'll definitely see like uh-huh, pick up a uh-huh, bunch of stuff. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I absolutely loved it. I would recommend anybody go watch it, um, especially you, Marty. Like I think I think it'll become one of your favorite shows you've watched in the last couple of years. Uh, hell yeah. It's, I feel judged. Uh, 
It's on. It's on. Also, the uh, the op- the themes, the <laughs> opening main theme for that show is fucking killer. I I've saved it on Spotify. It's a it's a remix of a existing song, and it's just super good. So you'll never skip the opening credits because that song is so good. Oh, I, li- I like no skips. Yeah. I started skipping The Last of Us. Oh, you really? bastard. What are you really? doing? Was, they use yeah. the composer. I don't, I don't either, but it's just a bunch you, of fucking twanging you, and a bunch no, of vines. No, no. I'm, I'm angry about this, Marty, because you are not. Twang, twang, you are twang, not, twang, uh, twang. No, you are. Uh, but it's symbolism. They're intertwined and interconnected Look, like fungus. I didn't, I didn't even get the Halo opening in my Halo show. You better appreciate that you have the real music for The Last I, of Us. I didn't even <laughs> skip that on the feckin' screeners, and all they had were, like, edited by first name, last name, written by first name, last name. <laughs> yeah. like Insert on the non- vine here. <laughs> yeah. Even, you better, you're not even, if you're not watching the end credits, you're missing out on Gustavo's excellent score as well. Oh, no, I watch, I watch the end credits, because then it goes into what's going on next week, and then the, See, I don't uh, watch any, so I'm spoil myself. I don't I watch the behind the scenes stuff. I need to uh, spoilers. Out. Troy Baker's in next week's episode. Yeah, I saw I that. I spoiled that for you. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say we should almost report on the SEO, but yeah, you, you don't you dare skip the opening at The Last of Us. They respected that adaptation enough to bring in Gustavo to make the music for the show. Halo did not. Nick, the and defender of all things cinema, who won't go to the movie theater, <laughs> will just only yeah. buy the. I will. 4K. I will. I will always defend music. <laughs> Hell, half the reason I want to watch. I, I Dune, think the music's fine. I just don't the, need to see. It. I just don't need to hear you, it. You need to see it every week. Okay. You need to see and, it. And uh, ever, ever the false compromise that I am, I'm like, I, I like it, but you don't have to watch it. But I enjoy it. So hey, who, who wins? What's uh? No, I mean we got a true no skip coming soon, which is Succession. Succession, I mean, you should have. A, you should get a bullet in the head if you skip those. Yes, <laughs> though those those credits. Um, I, I smiled at her at the copy for at the photocopier, and now I'm facing chemical castration. Um, like, but yes, that is a masterpiece of a banger of a soundtrack. Is it particularly is it Demi's um, "Who Will Win a Kiss from Daddy"? Have you heard the "Who Will Win a Kiss from Daddy"? What are you talking what? about? Yeah, what's going on? Uh, Who's okay? I'll I'll share the links in the chat in a moment. I don't, don't want to share. I don't want you but, to share a link. But for it's, it's the theme song to Succession. <laughs> Oh. Is perfectly timed. Who will win a kiss from daddy? Is that a song? Yeah, yeah it's which which of these rich white people win a kiss from daddy? It's it's uh, it's fantastic. I'll share it in the in the show. Music in the, in the chat in First off, going back to super chats, Will Cooling with a two pound donation. You should be the one changing your chat right now because you said that would be Marty calling for superhero incest. First of all, when did I call for superhero incest? Uh. <laughs> I call for these two things separately. Yeah, <laughs> not together. Never oh, together. I said Dick Grace. Oh, I see. You said Dick Grace and said fuck. Batman. Oh, fuck a daddy. Fucks, yeah, fuck fucks, fucks yeah. Batman. I think they're not family though, are they? They're, I think they are. They're a bat family. Is this where he fucks the bats? Oh, I, I realized so the Dick cave, Grace is not his son. Going though, right? into the, going into the cave was a metaphor. His, he's kind of his surrogate son. And I, I knew. Th- I always knew the bat cave was a metaphor. It is. It's not a four for who gets to kiss daddy. Go, go watch, go watch um, the College Humor Badman videos. No one's going to watch the College Humor Badman video, Nick. Stop trying to make the College Humor Badman video happen. Are these the Pete Holmes? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's Pete Television. They're great. I do quite like the your garbage who kills for money. No, garbage <laughs> yeah. works the other side of town. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, he inter- encouraging he, him. He interrogates... He interrogates who he thinks is the Joker, but it's just another clown. (laughs) 
Darren, you shouldn't. This is unhealthy. Don't <laughs> encourage him. We're trying to weed him off. And you're just being his pusher, man. Uh, and be smart with a $2 <laughs> donation. The Punisher is Netflix. Nick is still pure. So I guess you're still, you haven't been tainted by modern MCU by enjoying the Punisher. So you're fine. I love the idea that Jeff Loeb is purity in this, in this example. The, you know, the television mastery of Jeff Loeb. Someone is that who directed it? Me. Uh, well, Jeff Loeb was in charge of the, 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 tele- the Marvel the Netflix, Netflix universe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm half his fan because I liked half his shows. No, you got to like all of them. No, nope. show just, us your Iron just, Fist tattoo. Just Punisher and Daredevil. Gotta, okay, and, and Jessica Jones, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. I guess you could say you have a Lober hate relationship. I thought that was really good. Someone got mad at us in the comments last week because we were saying how there's been more MCU in Phase Four than there was in everything previous. Yeah, and they said that's not true because we're not counting. All of Agents the Netflix of shows, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then they went on to say Cloak and Dagger, The Inhumans, and Runaways, <laughs> and I was like, I don't think they count those if either. Kevin Feige doesn't count them, like, I don't count them. I mean, I guess technically, <laughs> if you could watch the one season of The Inhumans, so you get the goof in Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> that, that you can watch Multiverse of Madness and still get the goof. Was, in, yeah. did they, was it Inhumans on ABC when they were doing those shows over there? Yeah. It was. Yeah. Because uh, they, yeah. they did. And Agent, it premiered in IMAX. What about Agent, what about IMAX. Agent Carter? Oh, yeah. yeah Agent Carter, Agent, too. We got to watch yeah. that, too. Sorry. That's probably the closest to the set, to be fair. That's the one that probably comes closest to being continuity. Because isn't the, the Dark Home is rebooted in um, WandaVision and Multiverse of Madness, which kind of yeah. rules Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. out of continuity as much as we care people about that. People think definition. that. Uh, this is all too confusing. Fuck the Marvel. It might bring Quake. <laughs> okay. The actress who played Quake, <laughs> Chloe Bennett. Uh, People, yeah. There's always like Scuttlebutt that they might fold her in the MCU. Wait, Quake, Quake, the one that sets all your cards to four. Uh, Quake, the one who sets all your cards <laughs> okay. to four. That's yes. all the only yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's how I, I know everyone. Uh, and Diego Luna, or not Diego Luna, um, um, <laughs> Gabriel Luna, who yes. plays Tommy on The Last oh, of yeah. Us, played Ghost Rider. Ooh, I'm not sure of any of this. <laughs> played Robbie Ray's <laughs> Ghost Rider <laughs> in Aids as a Shield. Ooh, I'm not sure of any of this. <laughs> I mean, uh, it would be great if, stuff. after like years of hyping us up for the possible return of Nicolas Cage, it was like, "Here's Gabriel Luna from yeah. the beloved show Agents of Shield." Okay, yes, Gabriel Luna played uh, uh, played uh, uh, Robbie Ray's Ghost Rider in Agents of Shield. Uh, Darren, have you watched anything? Let's talk about cocaine. Uh, oh, <laughs> the okay. Um, it's it's a substance you shouldn't take. It just say no, kids. Um, yes, let's talk about Cocaine Bear. You Hell saw yeah. Cocaine Bear, which I'm quite, again, impressed by. You saw Plane, you saw Megan, you saw Cocaine Bear, you have not seen and I saw Shin, And I saw Shin Ultraman. Those are my four movies in theaters so far. <laughs> and Skidmerink, five weird movies to see in theaters that I didn't see after. <laughs> and every time you do with your bucket of popcorn and your soft drink in hand, you walk by a screen showing Avatar 2 and you go, Maybe next time. Yeah. Maybe next time. I keep time. buying Avatar tickets, but it's like, oh, damn, skin ring. 90 <laughs> yeah. minutes of whispering in a, in a room without walls. And you, I, it blows my mind that you, of all people, have time commitments when you replay Persona 5 like every month. I don't have time commitments. I just haven't that seen That is it. his time commitment. <laughs> yeah, that no. is his time I have no time commitments. I just, I don't know. I'm a busy man. I'm wheeling and dealing. I'm shucking I, I, and jiving. I literally, I literally heard that you're a pissy man. I was like, yeah, that's, that makes sense. But I'm pissy. I do. I, I <laughs> urinate frequently. Much like the cocaine bear in Elizabeth Banks' hit film, Cocaine Bear, number one Smooth. in the box office. Smooth. Um, really? I think the movie. Yeah. No, it was, was, was like, it not number two behind Ant-Man? 
Oh, it beat Ant Man on Friday. It beat yeah. Ant Man on Friday, but Ant Man, I think Ant Man had like an eighty percent drop though. So <laughs> yes, Cocaine Bear is our true is our true winner here. Um, cocaine uh, Bear seventy percent drop comes the morning after when it's all bleary eyed. <laughs> it regrets everything that happened the night before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, directed. But it's alienated its friends trying to get them to buy NFTs. Um, <laughs> oh God, no, Cocaine Bear, how could you? Um, I thought uh, I thought the movie was genuinely delightful in a way that I was worried it was going to be very snakes on a plane to where it yes. is a better joke going in, and then you watch the movie and you're like, well, that was bad. Like, like why? Why did like the fun was leading up to it? The fun's not it. Um, but I, I really appreciated how everyone from Elizabeth Banks, the director, all the way down to like every member of the cast is like fucking. Great. Yes. Like, yes. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is in here for crying oh my out God. loud. Incredible. Margot Martindale's amazing. This is Ray Liotta's <laughs> last performance, which is like kind of perfect, I guess. Um, yeah. The, the sentient avatar of cocaine. Thanks yeah, to Goodfellas. Yes, exactly. Um, but uh, the movie, uh, I liked that the movie relied on like extreme violence for a lot of the humor as opposed to just like trying to be witty and punny. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. My, my theater had a, had a great time. How did you feel? I really liked it. It does feel like a movie that was like genetically grown in a lab to be what we remember a cult movie being because cult yeah. movies no longer exist because video mm-hmm. stores no longer exist because broadcast television no longer exists. Um, but like I, I had a really, really great time with it. It is a movie that is much, much, much better than it needs to be, which is like given it has a title cocaine bear and a premise mm-hmm. cocaine bear. You're like, that should get it over the line, but it's so based weirdly, on the true story of the cocaine bear. Cocaine bear. Yeah. Like it, it's a movie where that would be enough. And as you said, Snakes on a Plane is the kind of movie that looms large over this, where it's like, this feels like a movie that was tailor-made for the internet. You have the trailer <laughs> where Eldon Ehrenreich explains the high concept, the literal high concept of Cocaine Bear twice, in case you miss it the first time, the many intricacies of the idea of a bear that does cocaine. <laughs> but I, I found myself incredibly charmed by it. Um, it works, I think, because it kind of, it has that slight, very slight, very gentle transgressiveness that I associate with cult movies, where... This is, as you said, absurdly gory, gratuitously violent. Mm -hmm. There are dismembered limbs and bodies and entrails and all this sort of stuff. Again, very cartoonish violence. It's not social realism or anything like that. I think you're going to like this movie. Uh, yeah, but I'm it's kinda, also I'm kind of getting the vibe of Cujo from it. <laughs> so it's not but, scary. But it, like no, 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 it's not scary <laughs> oh, it's at all. Scary. But it's, it's 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 the thing is it's structured like an '80s kids film. Mm-hmm. Like it's structured like an Amblin movie, which I adore. Like mm-hmm. obviously the entire premise is that like there's a bunch of cocaine. It was thrown off a plane. There's a bunch of drug dealers and cops and criminals looking for it. And there's a forest ranger and all this sort of stuff. But the emotional hook of the movie is two kids decide to skip school, wander off into the forest find some cocaine and get menaced by a cocaine bear. And it's very much, that is, that is a premise for like a Steven Spielberg Amblin movie, except this one has like dismembered limbs and hanging guts in it. And I kind of love that because this feels like a movie where you mentioned it did well at the box office. Like was it $23 million uh, domestic $28 million global. Like this is a movie that is made for streaming. When I did radio coverage for this, like locally in Ireland, the big question I got was my 12 year old kid is like raving to see this movie, which is rated 18s in Ireland or in the States and 15s in the UK. Can I show it to them? Is it appropriate for me to watch with them? Um, And it's like, this feels like, this is just like a grassroots campaign for this thing landing on, and I'm sorry, Nick, 
peacock um and it being like a cultural phenomenon yeah. where every kid is stealing their parents login and watching cocaine bear mm-hmm. while drinking copious amounts of like sugary beverages and yes. eating treats that will give them diabetes and i'm like Shit. i am all i am the target for audience that. yeah that is it exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like I, what more do you want from a movie called cocaine bear like mm-hmm. uh, marty asked me off recording like what i thought of the movie and it's like it's everything you could want from a movie called Cocaine Bear. <laughs> like, that's the pitch. The that's thing is, the it's well, it's like well made yeah. as well. Like, it, yeah. it doesn't, uh, it doesn't just rely on the premise and be like, well, you're already in your seats. We could just give you fucking schlock for ninety minutes. It's like, it understands comedic timing. Like, it has this yeah. cast of characters that you either like them because you like the actors, or like it does it like with the Carrie Russell and and her daughter. Like, it does a good job of like being like, oh, this is like a kind of a dysfunctional family relationship of like a mom who's not paying enough attention to the kid and the kid who wanders off because she doesn't get the attention from the mom. And like, it has themes. I like, I want to whisper this because it feels like an absurd way to talk about a movie called cocaine bear, but this is a movie like about parenting. Like it's consistent through line is when they wrote it. They're like, this is a movie about parents and about like eighties parenting drug culture where you have like the just say no advertisements in there. You have the Pee Wee Herman, you've got Nancy Reagan and this idea And again, this is where Darren is disappearing up various parts of the cocaine bear's anatomy. But this idea that like the big criticism of the war on drugs is the idea of offloading responsibility from like parents, moral guardians, authority figures whose job it was to protect children from like drug abuse and from crime and from violence and putting it onto children themselves of saying, just say no. The ultimate responsibility in the drug war are these kids who are too young to know what they're doing. And if they choose to take drugs, it's their own fault and they deserve to be locked up forever. And that's kind of what Cocaine Bear is about in that it's populated by these two kids who wander off because, you know, their single parents are working shifts and don't have time to take care for them. You've got like characters who are single parents, whether because of divorce or because of like death of their loved one. You have this idea of like this weird parental relationship between like Ray Liotta and Eldon Ehrenreich and Eldon Ehrenreich's child who he's not paying any attention to. Mm -hmm. You even have like a subplot involving Isaiah Whitlock and his adorable dog that he doesn't know how to care for even though he's trying. And it's like, this is much more intricate than this movie needs to be. There is more thought and care and attention being put into how this movie works on a fundamental level than the title Cocaine Bear suggests. And even as you said, like Banks's direction of action sequences, where there are several sequences in here, which I'm not going to pretend they are like peak cinema or the best scenes in the sure. history of thrillers ever, but they're fun games. Like there's not like, there's never a sense in the movie that the cocaine bear is enough of itself. There's a wonderful moment, for example, where like a medic is listening to a character's heartbeat as another like medic goes exploring and finds the bear. So you get the underpinning of the dud, dud, dud heartbeat building intention as the character gets closer to, spoiler, the cocaine bear. Like it's just well-constructed and fun and like nasty in places where it needs to be nasty. There's a section in the middle where I was quite astonished at how like, committed it went to being unpleasant and visceral and violent like yeah. one of the char- one of the characters is a borderline sociopath and it's not one of the criminals and i love how much fun the movie has with that i 
had a really, really good time with it. I do think it maybe suffers from having too many characters. I think that the yeah. movie's opening act is a little bit long because it's introducing all these characters. But that's something that pays off down the line because it means that like once you get to like 30 minutes into this 90 minute movie also it's only 90 minutes which is exactly Beautiful. the right length for a movie called cocaine bear no, um, no man spreading here <laughs> yeah oh, oh we don't have time to get into that um <laughs> but like you you have like once you get into like 30 minutes of the 90 minute movie you've set everything in motion so you can just like cut between different groups of people being menaced by the cocaine bear yeah. and that is all the movie needs I you have that. enough victims that you can just keep cutting between the cocaine bear and any set of characters it, I it's i had a really good time with Mar this. marty you'll be the only one that gets this reference because i don't think they had this program in the uk is there a joke about dare in there oh that, well it's in the 80s so <laughs> <laughs> did you guys not have dare Darren? to keep dare? kids oh, off drugs well yeah that's the yeah that's the d-a-o-r-e isn't it don't what i don't remember no, it was D A R E. Yeah, I don't yeah. I remember what yeah. it stood for. Dr but it was, uh, I researched this like, like their a couple slogan of was like say, say no to drugs or something. But that, I'm going to be honest, that bear did not it's, say no to drugs. <laughs> um, it's also. Um, Damn, I, I, was, I was just hoping there was going to be like a sign for dare in there somewhere. And the, and bear the bear just, just tears, drug, tears apart. <laughs> drug abuse resistance education. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they, they used to give us, so in, in school there, and they would give us these books. That basically like would show like here's what uh, uh, cigarettes do to your lungs, and it's like pr like images getting showing the progression of just bloody lungs and shit. Oh, well, and like most our 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 cigarettes <laughs> over here, our packets of cigarettes have those on them. Yeah, I have to have those pictures on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and one of the the when this movie was first announced, like four or five years ago, it was uh, uh, Lord and Miller were the ones um, attached to it. As well, they're producers, and they're still it, yeah. as producers. Yeah. And so that's when when Darren's talking about how it has, despite its absurdity, it has cohesive themes and good characterization. Um, <laughs> that's kind of the Lord and Miller thing. Like it feels in the same way that like Twenty One Jump Street had no right being as good as it is or yeah. lego movie had no right being as good of it as it okay is. it's um, not as good as like 21 jump street or i don't lego think it's as good as either of those movies but uh i'm glad they let alden and aaron reich work again after hopefully having a nice time with him during their couple weeks on solo <laughs> well that that does feel like it's that does feel like the one big lord miller contribution where it's like look liz the movie is yours we just have one note yeah. alden aaron reich like that's yeah. the one thing that we want keep ron howard off the set <laughs> <laughs> Keep Opie out of here. <laughs> Unless he's on Coke. <laughs> Unless he's on Coke. Um, I, have you have you read uh, Ron Howard talking about like that? Because it's it's fantastic when he just talks about how boring he was. Where it's like people talk about the Happy Days cast and everyone's off doing drugs and getting drunk. I was in bed by 10 p.m. because I had to be up for a 6 a.m. wake up call. Yeah, and that's why probably why he's still working. Like yeah. I mean, granted, Henry Winkler's still working, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how you. That's how you stay young. You either got to stay on drugs forever, like <laughs> like uh, Mick Jagger or and Keith Richards, or you have to uh, cut them early. So Henry yeah. Henry Winkler, the only man in Hollywood to have something unpleasant to say about Tom Hanks, right? Is that true? I don't know that story. I believe so. Uh, they worked together on an episode of like Happy Days and on Turner and Hooch, and apparently uh, there was uh, there's some bad blood. Apparently, hmm. I, um, I could see I could see Tom Hanks. I don't know. I could see a man called Otto having a dark side. <laughs> I got a theory. I have a theory. What what happened to Tom Hanks' career? Is he Henry just not Winkler, good? Is it? 
Is this, no. your, is this your theory that no, it was like Henley Winkler's slow paid revenge? Um, I mean, just my theory was like Tom Hanks sold his soul to the devil for a certain amount of time of being in incredible movies. And then that time expired like 15 years ago. Like, hey, he's going to be in Toy Story 5. Like, oh, wait, no, Catch he's me not. if you can. Like, has my... he been in a good live action movie since Catch Me If You Can? Think. Well, I mean, uh, Elvis, surely, right? Elvis counts? Get the fuck out of here. What are you I mean, Bridge of Spies? Bridge of Spies is good. Bridge of Spies is good. All right, and I will go to bat for Cloud Atlas, but not too strongly because of the uncomfortable yellow face <laughs> stuff that needs to be discussed. Um, I, I, as somebody who likes Cloud Atlas, I'm like, I can never I like go Atlas too strong. Or- yeah. yeah, I can never go too strong on Cloud Atlas because there's always like, yeah, that is there. Um, G- but I do think, yeah, I did, like Hanks. The thing with Hanks is that like they just stopped making Hanks movies. Like that's the yeah. thing where it's like there's nowhere for him to go. He he made like during the '90s he made like adult skewing or relatively adult skewing movies that played to four quadrants. Movies like Apollo 13, uh, movies like Forrest Gump and stuff like that. Yeah, those movies, movies like Philadelphia, those movies no longer exist, exist. at that level. So it's like he he is homeless. He's just wandering around, and it's like Man Called Auto seems like it's close enough, right? <sighs> Yeah, but he gets like shit like that in that yeah. fucking he, Apple Battleship movie. Oh, Greyhound. Oh, Finch wasn't Finch. Oh, oh Gre- no, yeah, no Finch did, was did, like his, his, his <laughs> hanging out with a robot. No, the Apple yeah. uh, but, but, Greyhound. Yeah, you see that one the, like on the a World War II submarine movie, I think. Is yeah, what yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, that movie. Got yeah, but good. they're all forgettable. Those weren't like Private Ryan, Country If You Can, Road to Perdition. Like those movies don't exist anymore. You can't. Like, you can't. <laughs> Why? Why is it Tom Hanks single-handedly bringing back like circa two thousand Hollywood? Apple Apple's working on the follow-up to uh, Band of Brothers and uh, uh, oh, that's right, the Pacific. Pacific. It's the Airman or something. What's it called? Yeah, the the World War Two show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope that's good, Um, man. Band of Brothers. I hope it's good. I I have never watched Band of Brothers. I'm stupid. I don't. Oh my god! Really? That's that's amazing. Biggest double feature. Ten hours of Band of Brothers and Cocaine Bear. (laughs) Guaranteed to love it. And then Edge Runners. Okay, my weekend worked out for me. I feel pretty safe in saying you will love Band of Brothers. Oh, I know I will. I don't know why I've never watched it. I literally, I I have it on my, like, my Hulu and HBO list, and it just sits there and looks at me, and I'm like, I want to watch this, and then I don't do it. Because, like, I have Black Sails on there, too, and everything. Oh, my God. It's got great David Schwimmer. It's got peak (laughs) David Schwimmer. Yeah, no, I know. I know who's in it. (laughs) Everyone's favorite Ross, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a real shit boy. Um, Yeah. What I what I will say though is like in the defense of Tom Hanks, I like that he now uses his star power. He's like he's reached a stage where he's doing more interesting things. Like so I like that he's putting lots of makeup on and doing 13 roles in Cloud Atlas. I like that yeah. he's playing literal Satan in Elvis. Elvis, like, yeah. Yeah, like I kind of like that there's a stage where he's like he's accepted he's no longer America's dad. He's now Isn't free he... to be wacky character actor Tom Hanks. It's like um, Who is he America's dad now? Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Oh, that is true. Duh. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not he's not America's great dad. He's like America's not having as good a time America's, as it had on her dad Tom Hanks. Isn't isn't Tom is. Hanks in one of the upcoming Disney live adaptions? He's in Pinocchio. Uh, no, he was in Pinocchio. Pinocchio he yeah, was yeah. in Pinocchio. We don't talk about that. He was in the bad Pinocchio. <laughs> the bad from Pinocchio. Last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a rep. Darren, did you watch? Uh, did you watch anything else? Did you, did you uh, talked about Luther yeah. last week. What else? Did you see anything else in theaters? Yes. So I saw just very very quickly. I saw Rue Degar or Ruse Degar, the new Guy Ritchie movie, and I have completely it's forgotten. New Guy Ritchie movie. This new Guy Ritchie movie. No, I don't think it's good. called Ruse, that in the states. It's Operation Fortune. Um, That's what starring, it's called. 
starring Jason Statham as Orson Fortune, which is the best thing about the movie, that it has a lead character whose name is Orson Fortune. He must, um, him and Jason Statham just must really get along. They must have a nice time I, spending time together. Well, this does feel like it's a Guy Ritchie hangout movie. It's like, again, yeah. it's a spy movie. It's very much trying to be a, like a James Bond movie. There's some vaguely interesting stuff in there about like the privatization of global security, but it it doesn't work. Um, and it doesn't work for several reasons. <laughs> First of which is that like, this is Guy Ritchie on autopilot. This is like a step below the man from Uncle, which was Guy Ritchie on autopilot. This is like if the Guy Ritchie who made Aladdin was asked to make the man from Uncle this is the movie that you would end up with. Um, and it also suffers from the fact that uh, famously delayed for a number of reasons, um, most of which involve heavily re-editing the movie to remove any reference to Ukrainian gangsters. Because oh. apparently the studio was like, yeah, that's not a subject that we're willing to go with now. So you watch the movie and you're like, this doesn't really hang together. It doesn't really seem like there's a clear idea of who these people are fighting. And I went on on Google, it turns out there's a very obvious reason why the movie is now completely mm. generic in terms of its villains mm. um i have pretty much forgotten the movie uh since i watched it which is unfortunate but i do like late career hugh Grant. that's I funny i didn't really i remember this this movie got delayed like an entire year and now yeah. i'm understanding why yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also got it's got aubrey plaza right and josh hart yeah. and josh hart that's in there as well yeah. yeah um and like it's got carrie elways in there i mean somebody's gotta love carrie elways i like carrie elways um and it's also got like eddie marson is in there as well for like two scenes um, but it's great because you then get to like the bad guys and the bad guys who are never in the same physical space as the heroes are played by actors you have never seen and will never see again. Great. Whoever Guy Ritchie could find for a long weekend of shooting. <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah, not not good. Yeah. Um, and then I, I watched uh, an oldie, The Passion of Joan of Arc from 1928, cool. uh, which was just filling filling a gap in my uh, silent film knowledge. Watch that with the Visions of Light soundtrack uh, by Richard Einhorn. And if you are at all interested, I would wholeheartedly recommend it. I, it's a powerhouse of a film. Hmm. So yeah, that's really it um, in terms of... Oh, and we have a ghost, which is on Netflix now, which is the new one from... Um, what's his name? Is it David... Uh, Christopher Landon, who's the guy For who directed Lambert? Freaky... From Highlander? La no, unfortunately, there can be only two. It's Christopher Landon. Um, <laughs> oh, the guy who did Freaky. The guy Freaky. The guy did Freaky and the guy who did Happy Death Day. And oh, this yeah. is I, like, kind of... I like both of those, actually. I love both of those. And yeah. this is a bit of a disappointment in those terms because it's it's one of those loving homages to 80s cinema that you've seen so much of recently. Ghostbusters Afterlife is one, for example. Uh, but you also have like the Adam Project from last year as an example. Mm. Stranger Things, basically. The, the, the post-Stranger Things. David Harbour, right? It does. David Harbour is the eponymous ghost that they, they have in this house. The story of a family that moves into a house. They discover that there's a ghost. The ghost is wearing a bowling shirt called, named Ernest, which gives you a sense of where the movie's pitching itself. A it's this very shirt named Ernest? A bowling shirt with the name Ernest on it. Okay, you, gotcha. You can call the ghost Ernest. Yeah. He cannot speak. He can't remember who he is. He can't remember what happened to him. So they start calling him Ernest. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting premise. But A, it is far too long. It runs over two hours. Nope. Uh, and B... This is where I say something that I can say on this podcast and will never like make a video about or write an article about, but it runs into the common problem that a lot of these love letters to beloved like 80s children films run into, which is the movies that they're homaging are generally not that good at all. <laughs> um, where it's like, if you're trying to make a love letter to the Goonies, you have established a ceiling on the level of quality that you can hit. Like there's only so far that being like a well-made version of like a love letter to the Goonies will get you. Um, and I think that like 
Landon's a great director. There's some really great, say, camera movements, compositions here. You can tell that it's an obvious love letter. There's a lot of aching sincerity. The ghost is literally called Ernest to give you an idea of how sincere the movie is. But it's also like stuff you've seen done before and stuff that, you know, even in 80s movies was a little hackneyed and cliched. And it just, it it doesn't really work. But, you know, it's charming if you're into that sort of thing. If you liked The Adam Project last year, you'll probably like this. And if you like David Harbour, you'll probably like this. And if you like Landon, it's well worth a look. Man, I have zero nostalgia or love for the 80s. Granted, I was like a baby during the 80s. But I just don't. I think the 80s, like, are, there's great movies from the 80s. Yeah. I think, by and large, the 80s are the most boring pop culture decades since the fifties, probably like, I think this, which 60s makes sense given that like, 90s, <laughs> yeah, like the eighties is heavily influenced by the fifties, like back to the future. They remade <laughs> yeah. the blob. They remade the thing. They remade the, yeah. 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 Oh God. Great so you mean when we, like when we get to like 2040, we're going to be referencing our nostalgia for, we don't have anything now, though, so it's just going to be nostalgia <laughs> know, for nostalgia. nostalgia. Yeah, like oh. it's it's, it's <laughs> Robo be... Logan, Robo yeah. Logan. Oh God, yeah. Give me the nineties. Everyone, just start making maybe 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 AI movies are the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, Infinite Seinfeld had a point. Aside <laughs> from all of the awful, we, nothing we, forever. We won't. We won't. <laughs> we can't know what's coming if we don't. If the AI doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. Um, I think that, that probably wraps it up. Do you have uh, you guys have anything else before we? Before we nope, I gotta get to a meeting. Goodbye. Wonderful. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, no, that was perfect. Uh, so yeah, that was great. Thank you all uh, so much for joining us. Thanks to everyone in both the chats. Uh, Darren, where can folks find you? What should folks check out? Uh, yes, you can follow me at Darren underscore Mooney on Twitter, where I have lots of opinions about movies and apparently Star Trek shows that generate great deals of controversy. <laughs> um, but you can uh, you can also follow me at the website where I do columns. Uh, I do In the Frame on Monday and Friday, uh, and I do um, the Out of Focus on Wednesdays. So tomorrow I'll be talking about Cocaine Bear. I'll be talking about like the challenges in trying to manufacture a cult movie and why this is probably as good as we're going to get uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, and obviously, uh, we do uh, videos every second week. We do in the frame videos. So uh, there's one coming up that I think will be coming to subscribers next Monday. Matt Lachlan's ending that. I'm very excited. It's an attempt to look back at phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, and then we'll be moving into a regular schedule with the wonderful is it Jesse, Jesse Swap, who will yep. be taking over Zender from, from Omar Ahmed. Um, so I'm very proud of the work that we did with Omar. and quite looking forward to working with Jesse. It's, it's going to be great. Um, so you can check all that stuff out. Omar's not going anywhere. He's just an adventurous nice slash. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Oh, oh so yeah, our new, new full time editor, um, third. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be very. Yeah. Uh, Nick, what about you? I'll what be back in an hour and a half to check out season four of Battlefield twenty forty two, which just launched today, uh, for the editor's backlog, and then we'll get back onto more interesting games the week after. I just I'm cleaning <laughs> more interesting. <laughs> You're really, really underselling this one. I'm, uh, clean, cleaning my palette still from all the go. all the games I've been playing because I'm I'm like an inch away from finishing up Chain Echoes. So nice. Uh, but other than that, just check out the website, and check out all of our other streams, and, yeah, and enjoy the dogs. Oh my god, everyone enjoys the dogs. Uh, <laughs> yes, please uh, check out everything on the website. We have uh, so many, so many incredible features yeah. going up. Um, and it's not just Darren anymore, for the love of God. It's so nice. It's not just Darren anymore. There is more Darren than ever, but it is not just Darren <laughs> anymore, which is, uh, which is, which is beautiful. 
Um, I, I can't tell you how happy I am for that. Uh, so I am also uh, happy for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I finally get to see my out. wife and kids. Uh, I've yeah. never referenced them on the show because I, I never haven't seen them in three years. Um, <laughs> finally, I can rest. Oh no! Uh, by the way, can finally you? Uh, I can rest. We need uh, we need those weekly uh, Gotham Knights recaps. Yeah. So we'll have to put them on the back burner for a little bit, please. Uh, so for uh, Darren and Nick, this was Marty. This was recap episode number 24. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you with recap next week and then stay tuned in 90 minutes. Uh, Nick and Frost will be back yep. for Editor's Backlog. Perfect. See you all then. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody.